This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl from Unleashed. I want to welcome you today. I have a guest, Tim Wagstaff. And he has a story to tell us about his dear dog, Annie. Hi, Tim. I'm glad you could be with us today. Thanks, Sherilyn. How are you doing? Good, Sherilyn. Thanks for the, the invite. I really appreciate it. So what I like to do is I always like to find out my guest story. So little background, how you came to be Annie's owner, a little bit about Annie, where you got her from, and then your life together. And then when you pause, I'll ask you some questions. Sure. Okay. Well, I met Annie when I was living in Washington, D.C. I was going through some real anxiety and depression issues. And my psychiatrist said, you need a dog. Well, I went to the shelter and there was a little dog in a corner my friend Greg said, look at that little one over there. So I went over and it was the only dog not barking and jumping around. And I had already named her Annie. Any dog I got was going to be Annie in dedication to a friend who had passed away. So I called, I called her and she came right up to me. But there were five people's names already on the list to adopt Annie. So I had to take, I took her outside, played with her. She came right over to me and I went to the Humane Society and I said, you know, um, what's the chances of me getting her? And they said, well, there's a lot of names in front of you. So probably not her, but just other dogs. They said, no, I need her. We, I bonded with her. So I donated a little bit more than most people donate in a check. And I said, um, Are you bribed? I, I sort of bribed them. Yeah, I mean, I had to. So they came and that's how we met. And then I got Annie. They, she was all you know, ready to go, except it was around Christmas time. And in Washington, D.C., they don't allow you to take any of your animals or around that area because they don't want people, you know, picking them up and giving them these gifts and then take them back. So my life started with Annie and we were 13 years together. How old was she when you got her? She was around six to eight months, they say. Oh, really? She was a puppy. Yeah. And the weird thing is, you know, she was, I knew she didn't come from an abused home because she was, I didn't know till she got home, but she was fully trained, which was my biggest fear that I would have to train a dog at eight months because, you know, it's, it's just sometimes very difficult. However, I got her home, opened up all the doors so she could sniff it, took pots and pans, hit pots and pans to see if she flinched. She did nothing like that. She just looked around and she was just the perfect dog. And the next thing I know is she's at the door and she has a paw at the door. I went, oh my God, she needs to take a walk. Because in Washington, I lived in DuPont Circle area. There's no grass. There's no yard. So you have to take your dog on a, on a leash and walk them all the time. And I walked Annie like four and five times a day at least. So we bonded. I have no kids. We bonded right away. And we bonded as though she was my child. And I had never been as close to anybody or anything as I was to her. 
But did you ever have a dog before? Well, when I was a kid, we had dogs. I did have a dog once before. I was crazy. In my younger days, there was the Neiman Marcus catalog had a his and her um, Sharpays for that year's gift. So I love Sharpays and I ordered one. It was from a puppy farm. It was awful. It wasn't a Sharpay. It just tore my house apart. So after that, I said I could never have another dog. And it took years before I was able to get Annie. So she was a puppy, but she didn't come from a puppy mill because she was trained, obviously. Yeah, I mean, she was so well, well behaved. I mean, if you I mean, if people came in the house, normally they'd have to walk over her because she when she sat down, she just relaxed. But she'd go up to people and she'd say hi. But that was it. At that time, did they have dog parks in D.C.? Yeah. Yeah. I used to take her to a dog park. She did really. She she wasn't really fond of any other animal. I mean, she didn't attack them unless it was a squirrel. Or in case uh, in, in the case of Washington, D.C., it was more like a rat. <laughs> she right. was chased. Yeah. yeah, we have we have squirrels at our park and my Tilly goes crazy for them. And oh somebody God. around there is feeding them. So when we walk in the wooded part of the park on the path, like three come down because they think I'm one of those people that feed. And, you know, right. they just they love to torture dogs. You know, they just stand. Oh, there yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, like 15 minutes in like a pose or they run up and back and forth. It's just amazing. But I just want to say something to our listeners. You said that your psychiatrist uh, recommended a dog as therapy. Yes. Care for and love. I just would like to tell our listeners, it's a wonderful thing whether you have, you know, mental health issues or not. Every home should have an animal. Whether Absolutely. It's a cat Absolutely. or it's a dog. If you have a big house, you should have two dogs. I hope you could have two dogs. Just like, you know, people in homes now, they have more than one car. Because right. There are too many animals that just don't make it. Maybe aren't cute enough. And quite frankly, they're so short staffed at shelters today that not every dog gets to go out. And if they do, it's usually once a day. So, you know, think about your own life. Stay in one room all day long. They let you out to do your business. Go back in. You would be. It's just awful. And and that's why a lot of people overlook certain dogs. Right. I mean, especially she was Chow and Golden Retriever, a mix. And Chows get a really bad rap as as, um, you know, pit bulls do. And as we all know, the intelligent people know that it's how they're raised. Raised and it's also how they're bred. Exactly. Yes. yes. You know, when I got Tilly, she was the only dog in the shelter that wasn't a pit bull, which is two names, by the way. Because they are terriers. Right. Yes. Yes. And I don't like <laughs> most of the, the pit bulls that were there all had their ears done. Now, oh, that yeah. tells me all I need to know about the owner. It's, exactly. like, it's like the people who get these hooped up cars with these crazy wheels with spokes. Right. Bikes coming yeah. out. You know, it's just it's just the type of person that would do that to an animal. For whatever reason, they're in the shelter. And who's going to adopt them? Exactly. Well, it was so funny because my house, I lived in an apartment in D.C., 
but a big enough one for a dog like Annie. She full size. She probably was forty pounds. I have a picture of her, which I'm going to post. But oh, she got a lot of hair. She has a lot of hair, and you know she has. If you really look at her, you can see she had the disposition of like a golden retriever. Oh, and golden. some looks of her as a child. They are, without a doubt, the sweetest dogs on the planet. Wow. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, it was funny because in D.C., you just can't take a dog. They come to your house and they have an inspection, which I love that about them. So they look to make sure you your home is big enough, uh, how you would walk them, where you'd walk them. And at that time, my apartment was just, oh, my God, just over the top, um, I want to say, in antiques and you know, the curtains to the floor and just, I mean, antique rugs all over the place. So the woman comes to the house and she looks, oh, my God, what a beautiful. She said, I want to live here. Adopt me. <laughs> right. Right. And she said, well, what would you do, you know, if they called her Buttercup? She said, a Buttercup. I said, no, her name is Annie. I had to correct her. And she said, did something on the floor or, you know, broke something. I said, well, I would do what my parents used to do. In Missouri, we had a lot of yard. My mother would look at the dog. She would point at it, maybe rub her nose a little bit and open the door and throw her out. I said, that's how I would deal with it. And then I saw the woman's eyes and I said to her, I said, no. I said, I would bring her up on the couch. We'd have a little talk. We'd discuss why she did it, you know. So she said, I don't have to see anything more. She's yours. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, I mean, it was, it was just love at first sight. And, and you had her for 13 years, 13 years. Yeah. And I've never been the same since she's passed. I mean, family, everybody knows that I went into a, a huge, huge depression. So you should go back to your shrink and he'll tell you the same thing he told you before. Get another dog. I know. I know. And I have fostered a few dogs before. Well, that's um, good. So, so I live a condo now. I don't think it's appropriate for a dog myself unless you can get unless you take that dog or animal out at least four or five times. And, you know, so because of some issues I have, um, I'm not really capable of doing that. So I pretty much will go and volunteer when people need dog walks or whatever. But, you know, life will maybe take a turn one day for me and I'll get another dog, but I definitely will do a rescue. I'm totally against anything other than that. Don't shop, adopt. No, yeah, I love that phrase. Absolutely. No, it really is. You know, everybody thinks they have the best dog and, you know, none of us are wrong. Right, right, exactly. What we yeah. love about our dog is what we love about our dog. Just like, you know, parents with their children. You know, a lot well, of yeah. people think that their dog is like their child i look at tilly as my best friend you know right we're a team you know so and i, and I take it to the park every day sometimes yeah. twice a day yeah and i didn't need a car in washington dc to go any place because of the metro and where i was located however i bought a car for annie i bought a little convertible so we could go up and see my parents in pennsylvania and she could ride in the car. And I got the seatbelt stuff for a dog on the front seat. She would set up like a human being. And people would, you know, they would point at her and laugh. And she'd go all over the place with me. And I remember my mother saying to me one time, she said, Tim, we're so worried. Your connection with Annie is so strong. When she's gone, 
what's going to happen to you? And I said, oh, she's never going to go. And I never put that in my head that she would ever die. Never. And then when she did, it was just awful. And, and you know, a lot of my friends have lost their pets in the last couple of, you know, I have a lot of friends and they all have pets and dogs. Right. You know, it's a heartbreaking thing. And I always say to them, the best place to bury a pet is in the heart of the owner. And they only live a certain amount. Sometimes you get them a little older and you're lucky. But they give us all the best days and one really sad day. But it's a known fact that they will pass. But, you know, when it happens, and nobody will admit it, but I'm going to say it. We all say to ourselves, I'm glad it's not me today. But it will right. be someday. Exactly. Right back. We're going to take a break. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> We're back, and I'm with Tim Wagstaff, and he was telling us the saga story of his dog, Annie, how he got her, rescued her, how he loved her, and I think now we're at the part of the drama. Yeah. So tell us, tell us, tell us. So so she used to travel all over with me. If I went to California, she'd get on a plane. I mean, I, I didn't leave her behind. My job that I had at the time I had a lot of travel I did overseas where I could not take her to Europe or Tahiti or Budapest, those types of places. So I had somebody, she went to my family to um, stay. But, and then one day. Where your mother rubbed her nose in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. she knew better. She knew better. We used to joke all the time into that. So one day she just stopped eating and... I said, well, you know, what, what's going on here? And then she, we, I mean, she was still wagging her tail. She was fine. But so I took her to the vet and the vet said, well, we're going to have to do probably a biopsy on her and blah, blah, blah. I couldn't get a really good answer what was wrong with her. After going, and I'm not kidding, probably about 15 vets from Fort Lauderdale all the way up to West Palm Beach and Palm Beach, where, you know, you go to Palm Beach to a vet up there and you're sitting in the waiting room and you're, walk- and you're looking at a dog with bags on it with chemotherapy and all of that. You know, it cost me $300 just to get inside the door. I don't make that type of money. I didn't have that type of money, but I spent everything I had to try to get an answer. And then it just seemed like I was, I was being just taken advantage of. So I finally went back to the doctor who I really liked. It was a young woman who had graduated from a vet school. I think she was from Cornell. 
And she knew how tight I was with Annie. And she says, you know what? I think it might be, oh, I forget the name of what she had. I, I'm going to say carcinoma something. A cancer. Yeah, she had cancer. So she said, I'm going to read up all about this. Dogs are getting skin cancer. Yeah, yeah. So what happened is, because I said she's still wagging her tail and she's still putting her head out of the window and all of that. And she's not eating or drinking. So when they opened her up, I got a phone call that it was that. And it was just a matter of days before it would start, you know, going into other organs. You know, animals are pack, you know, dogs are pack animals. Yeah. They hide. Even cats. They hide what is wrong with them. So wagging a tail, you know, you could be sick and still be happy to see the person you love. You just don't feel like eating. You don't feel like drinking. You know, yeah. I remember when I interviewed Dr. Paul, the one thing he said to me is animals do not fear death. They live in the now and they yeah. know when it's time. If you eat your animal without the love and that devotion that you don't want to and with unrealistic, if you became realistic about it, you would know. First thing is no eating. Right. You know, people ignore that Ah, once in a while. Maybe she didn't like the food, but not eating, not drinking and wobbly on the legs. Right. And they even hide their pain. Yeah. She didn't show any pain at all. I mean, when they opened her up and they called me and they told me and they said, you know, we can put her back together and you can come and you can say goodbye. I said, oh, no, I can't do that to her. You know, I mean, as much as I wanted to say goodbye to her, I couldn't see her that way. And she wasn't going to live. And why put her through all of that? She was sleeping. As far as I was concerned, you know, I've put many animals down. I don't like that term, but yeah, and it is we all should wish that we could go that way. It is so with cats. You know, I always say they give them a sedative first. They're basically already gone, but it's very peaceful. And you know what? It's dignified. It's exactly dignified way to go for the animal. Why should they suffer? Because we want to hold on to them. No way, Jose. And you know, the strangest thing happened. You know, Annie kept going over to my mother when we would visit, and she was doing things to my mom that she never did before. Like, Annie wasn't a cuddling dog. To me, she'd let me do it wasn't the most happy thing for her because when we went to bed, she'd go to bed with me, but in the morning, she was right at that door, making sure my door, bedroom door, making sure no one's going to get in and harm me. So she kept going up to my mother in this. And then we found out a little bit later that my mother was filled with cancer. And that, smell it. Um, you know that? Yeah, you hear that. And I never had, you know, thought of that. And my mother um, passed away, you know, a few years later. But yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty amazing what dogs, I mean, I think, you know, everyone's, uh, everyone's higher being whatever, what the believer is, God or whomever they choose. They say that if your dog is especially you know, sniffing you in certain right. areas that you should go to a doctor because your body, your, your body chemistry changes. So your odor changes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, when I, I bring Tilly to a resort or a daycare for a day or an overnight when I have to, she sniffs me when she comes back. She needs everything to be the way it's supposed to be. No changes. Yeah. Just like when they walk back in their house and they go all over like, when I had people over and she was at our resort, she sniffed all the different smells of people. Maybe they had animals. 
Dogs right. are very in tune. Their noses are incredible. That's why they use them for checking produce at the airport or drug dogs or, right. or people or for gadabras. I mean, we got nothing on them as far as saying. Yeah, I put little steps up so Annie can go in bed with me. And there was a time where she would come up and she would lie on my, not on my back, but real close to my back area. And she would stay all night. And I'm going, well, that's pretty strange. And that that was for quite a while. And then I had an appointment with a doctor a few months later, and I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Yep. So she went as close as she could to that area, you know, and didn't leave it. And she, it wasn't like a smell that she ran away from. She just... No, but your chemistry changed. She gave me more love than, than any, any time. Yeah. You know? My Tilly sleeps under the covers. She takes <laughs> up the whole bed, and I have queen size. My next bed, I'll, ha- I'll have to. But she, you know, she starts off one direction and then goes wide. And I mean, I got like two inches. Right, <laughs> exactly. I keep getting up and going to the different side of the bed. You know, we call it going under. She has to be under the covers. I'll tell you when I got her because I did get her at a shelter. Uh-huh. The blanket. When I I bought her her bed, and then I decided when I was in one of the, you know, the pet places, I got her a blanket. And that blanket changed everything. Just She just felt home. And even when she goes to the, you know, the resort overnight, I tell him she likes blankets. When I wash it and I take it out of the dryer, I put it over her like, you know, James Brown. And she walks around because of the heat. She loves her blanket. Yeah, I mean, when I got her... I couldn't pick her up for a couple of weeks. Like I said, it was around the holidays. That's really cruel. Because if you were a child, who wouldn't want a puppy for Christmas? Yeah, but in D.C., let me tell you. They return In D.C., there's a lot of returns. A lot of returns. A lot of returns. There's a lot of returns now. There's a lot of idiots out there. Absolutely. And for every death of an animal in a shelter, often. Well, I know that when she... When I knew I couldn't get here till after the New Year's, I went to the gym and I worked out and I sweat, I sweat, I sweat the shirt. And then I took it to the shelter and I gave it to them and said, would you please put this in Annie's bed where she's at so she could smell me the whole time. And then the You could have story, went there and maybe walked her, no? I did. I did. Yeah. I, I was able to do that. But I also, the funny story is that she was not spayed at the time. So I had to make arrangements to have her spayed. Oh, they didn't do it there? They didn't. They made an appointment for me. I had a friend come with me who wasn't really the best friend of mine, but I asked him if he would help me because I said, I can't bring Annie in there and her see me when she's going to have this done. I knew in my head what I was doing because I had read a book about this or something that she would go through this, and the last person she would see when she went through this dramatic, you know, operation she had to have, it would make a difference. So I let him take her to get her surgery, and then I'm the one who rescued her from that and picked her up. And this man, every time I have a party at the house, when he came over, she wanted nothing to do with him. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, you, you know, you you felt that way. I met Tilly on a Saturday, and. I picked her up. They're closed on Monday, They, but it is there, and they, they don't let them out without fixing them. And I picked her up on a Tuesday, and she just has a little green tattoo 
but she had no downtime, you know, no cone of shame or anything. I don't think Annie had a cone. I don't remember her having a cone after at all either. I mean, she went through everything. It was fine. I just thought it was funny that, you know, I mean, she, the guy who took her to have it, she wanted nothing to do with him after that. And I'm going, well, maybe she remembers he's the one who took her to that hospital. Yeah, I, I don't think they feel anything. No, I'm sure they don't. Listen, we have to do it. There's too many animals. Oh, absolutely. You know, Bob now, now in our area in, in South Florida, because of these autos that have rabies, they're now, you know, talking about the feral cats. Well, right. feral cats keep a neighborhood safe because, exactly. they, you know, they keep a lot of other animals away. Rabies, you know, it comes in a ghost, but I'd say over the last year or so, maybe two years, it's really made a comeback. But this this man down here, he was bit 41 times and the shots oh, wow. are not fun. And a wow. dog got bit, you know, it's, yeah. you know, years ago, we, we didn't have the heartworm. I don't know about kennel cough, but you could get that when you walk down the street with your dog. It's exactly. A lot of dogs get it, you know, from... Drinking out of the same water bowl. Right. All of yeah, the there, were quite, there were quite a few foster dogs that I got that um, had kennel cough or other yeah, problems. Yeah, it goes away. It's, you know, yeah. it goes away. But I would just take it to the vet and I would do, I would spend my money to get it all healed and whatever. And then I'd adopt her out, you know. But I was very, very particular who got her, who got whatever foster animal I was doing that I had. Hopefully... When you feel better, you'll be able to do it again because they would really like people to foster because, you know, for every dog that's rescued, two is saved. The one that you take home and the one that's allowed in. So if somebody is fostering, that opens up the kennel, you know, for another dog. And hopefully they don't stay that long, you know. When I was, before I got Tilly, I looked up to try to get, a dog from a foster and you know i did a show on it and i'll say it again i didn't get really any good response and wow. <laughs> you know, i do a radio show i'm home i'm retired right i live like i could walk to the park I right mean, yeah i mean my dream has always been if you know i always said if i won the lottery this is what i do but it's true. true is i would have a home of a home in a country someplace and i would rescue any dog that was nine years and over in a kill shelter or anything because it's the heartbreaking to go into a shelter. And yes, you have your puppies and you have your middle-aged dogs, but these poor dogs that are 10 or 11 years old. I'll tell you, there is a group of people who do adopt them. You know, uh, I always ask for the one that's there the longest and the oldest. And I did a show, uh, I think it was maybe last year, a group that takes dogs where they go to live, where they're old, they're sick, and they really live a long life. That's great. Rescuing an animal is, most people say, oh, where'd you get her? You know, I rescued her. And the funny thing is, I would have paid four or $500 for a couple of dogs that I put applications in. But ha ha, I paid zippity doo da zilch. Well, that's what I had to do in Washington. Believe me, it was at least that. So my bribe to them was whatever I, whatever. I mean, I think it ended up being $800. I said, I'm not doing anything. I just want to donate $800. Here's a check. 
And then the next thing I know, my name was the top one up there. So I hate to say that, but, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, but I just knew the bonding between us happened so quick because they did let me take her outside unleashed through this, this run that they had. And she ran all the way down and said, Annie, come here, come here, my Annie girl. And she came right to me, licking my face. It's like, oh, my God. I think it's great because we never know the names, what the dogs were. I mean, when I met Tilly, she was a Phoebe, but I wanted a Tilly. And because you never know the names that they had, how right. they were used. Bad exactly. Rover, come here. What did you do? There's a graphic that runs every once in a while. And there's a dog and he says, my name is Get Down. No. What is your name? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear about your story. I started to do a series, Lost, Found, and Forever. And that's really what it is when we when we find our perfect pets. I'm a lot older than my Tilly. She just turned two. So she, oh. will, be, she will be trust funded because, uh-huh. you know. Good. Well, you know, knock wood, I want to be here because I wouldn't want to. But I've I've uh, bribed some people that I know would take her if anything, God forbid, happened. Oh, I'm, so I'm It doesn't sure. really matter how old we are or how old our dog is. We really all need to think about that because when we leave the house every day, their only worry is, are we coming back? Exactly. You know? Exactly. I just walk out to the garbage and she's already in. I'm sitting by the door. Where could she be? How long? You know, it's sad. And the love they give you when you come back is truly amazing. Especially on my job, I'd be gone five days or seven days, you know, and then a good friend of mine would watch her. And I always said, you know, I'm coming. I'm going to be on my hands and knees outside the door. You can open up the door. And as soon as she did, she jumped in my arms, kissed me, kissed me, kissed me. Like she hadn't seen me in a hundred years, you know, every single time. Right. And you they can do it over love. and over again. You just can't find love like that in a you person. You cannot I'm be sorry. unhappy when you're with a dog or a nope. cat or a nope. bird, if that is your thing. Well, I want to tell you, it's a very sweet story. And I really hope, number one, that whatever you're dealing with, it gets dealt with and you feel better. Thank you. When that happens, that you foster a dog, I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. On the radio. Yeah. And I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank Mark. Tim will do this again. I would love to. And remember, everybody, to live life unleashed. See you next time. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.